welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Man, there's just such a beautiful presence in the house today, and I'm telling, I just feel so honored and blessed that God would allow me to come and just be with you guys today. And before I do any introduction, I just got to get some things off my chest a little bit. Uh, there's just a weighty presence. I, I felt it the the very moment that that Pastor Josh reached out and the time that I set aside just to begin to pray and hear His voice. I, I, it wasn't even a second into to that moment. I, I heard the Lord say that. This this is a church that I can bless. Like I just heard that. This is a church that I can bless. And I, as I come in here today, I say, all right, now I can clearly see why and what's going on. But I, as I went to the youth ministry and the youth camp and with Scott Jones and John Luke and just what God was doing there, it was amazing the level of leadership that was there. And, and those things don't happen by accident. Good kids don't happen by accident. But they have this thing kind of tattooed on their chest called New Era. All right, and it was a prophetic declaration, but I'm telling you, that's not just a, a, a ripple for youth. That is something that you can be a part of. I see it in the church. I feel it in the church. As even what they said, there's a new song being sung today. That's your song. This is a year of breakthrough, I heard the Lord. And Josh, Pastor Josh, what I saw, I saw you a list of things you want breakthrough in, like a list. And through this year goes on, I see a check. I see a check. I see you start laughing because God just keeps on giving breakthrough. But as you go, I see that laughing turn to tears. I see you on your knees just giving praise to God. This is a year of breakthrough. You've been refined in the fire. There's purity, and God says, I am partnering with that. But even today, I just want you to know that it's not just going to be in the year for some of you in this room. Today, your breakthrough's coming. Today, you'll break through some. Do you hear that phrase? There will be breakthrough. There will be breakthrough. <laughs> See, there's a difference between faith and the gift of faith. We all are called to have faith. We're all called to have hope. But the gift of faith is when you hear the voice of God and you say, God said this, and now I'm going to align my faith, not with what just I hope, but what he said. Will you be the spies like Joshua and Caleb? God said, I've given you a land. And there was 10 that said, the enemies are too big, but there was two that said, my faith is not aligned with what I see, but what I hear. You hear me today. I believe there's some Joshua's and Caleb's in this room today. And uh, I might butcher your name. It's a hard name to say for, for an American. Kiara? Kiara. Kiara. We're going to say Kiara. All right, Kiara. Um, there is a special grace on you, girl. Like this was your first time leading, but I didn't know that. <laughs> I couldn't see that. I couldn't feel that. I felt an anointing flowing off of you. And you sang some beautiful songs today. But I feel like the Lord says nothing compared to what's in you. He's calling you to release some songs. And I feel like it's going to start in bridges. Like it might not be a full song, but God's going to start giving you bridges to release that will break through is on your voice. Breakthrough is connected to who you are in your worship. So if you could just stretch out a hand, let's just pray for 
Kira, right? <laughs> Kiara. All right. Uh, Father, we just thank you and praise you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for the mantle that's on this house. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. And Lord, we just lift her up as a daughter of this house. We speak of releasing, Lord Jesus, a releasing of that voice, a releasing of that mind to write and create, Lord Jesus. And Father, I speak a magnet, Lord, that young people are drawn to this house by the voice and the releasing because it's not just a voice that's being released, but a prophetic declaration in the presence of God. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. And one, one last crew I want to honor is the intercessors in this room, the prayer warriors in this room. I just saw this. There's been foundation upon foundation. That's a strong foundation right there. But what I heard, you have filled up the bowls, and this is the time for them to be poured out. Guys, some of the greatest rewards in heaven are connected to the prayer warriors. I believe that. I believe we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven. You're like, well, what about that mega pastor? What about this person? And all of a sudden you see that grandma that no one even saw just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and was obedient to the voice of God. I am who I am because I had a praying mama when I rebelled. I had a praying mom when I was a prodigal son. And I'm telling Alberta, turned home. And every time I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see kids get saved and see people get saved, you know who that's accredited to? My mama, she's going to get more reward than I can ever get because she prayed and this was, was released. Do you hear me today? Beautiful. Well, let me pray before I kind of get started this morning. So, Father, we honor you. Oh, we're thankful that you're a God that speaks and he speaks clear. Oh, we're just thankful that you're God that's so faithful to us. So, Father, right now we give you not just the worship service, not just ministry, but we give you this time. Lord, I humble myself and I ask you to speak through me. Lord, give us ears to hear what you're speaking today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. So I do want to honor your pastor. Pastor Josh, thank you for allowing me to be in this house and uh, beautiful family. And I have one more friend, uh, Mark Godfrey. You wave a hand. He's my partner in crime, man. Like, we get in trouble, but it's a good trouble. And uh, just to come and hang out today and uh, his beautiful family and his wife's over in Ellenbrook with my wife that's ministering right now. And um, beautiful. My wife and I, we actually did move over to Australia um, on a prophetic word. And uh, it's something that we weighed, something that we prayed on, something that we submitted. But he said, will you go to Australia? And I said, Good on you, mate. Let's go, God. And uh, um, actually, it's kind of funny. My wife, as a young child, dreamed to live in Australia. She had no idea. She just, as a kid, just wanted to be in Australia. And when we got over here, what I didn't realize, she wanted to marry an Aussie guy. So I'm like, so what was the motive of coming? No. And, uh, um, but I would just tell you, pay attention to the dreams that you had, even as your heart as a kid. Those things don't expire. When God releases something, and it's amazing the journey, and our lives are marked. And I want to say it like this, the adventure of surrender. 
Guys, when you surrender everything to what God is asking, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful adventure. That's the message that I have as God has brought me over here, then connected me with a ministry called Youth Alive. I've been at five youth camps in less than 10 days, so I haven't slept a whole lot. But I'm telling you, I've seen God move, and God move in power in this generation. I'm telling you, there's young people surrendering. I saw these two guys on their knees today. There's a surrender going on, and it's a beautiful adventure that God wants to take us on on the journey. So today, I want to just talk to you, and it it stemmed from when I actually first moved to Australia, I saw a billboard. It was a sign on the side of the road, and in this sign, um, as, as I was driving, I saw it, and it showed a vehicle that was veering off the road, and it was actually look, looking like it was going to hit a tree head on. And the sign said, this isn't tire drive, or this isn't drunk driving, this isn't speeding driving, this is tired driving. And it said, don't trust your tired self. Lean over to your neighbor and say, don't trust your tired self. All right? Don't trust your tired self. Because here's the thing. When you're tired, you get a little cranky, am I right? A L- little hangry a little bit. You know, m- my wife and kids, or, or myself and my kids, we call my wife Evil Ashley in the morning. All right? So hear me. When, I, when I, I'm up early, and here's how we do it. I wake up spending time in the presence of the Lord. My wife goes to bed in the presence of God. But whenever I'm in the morning and I hear a little rumbling in the back of the house, first thing I do, I fire up that espresso machine, and I'm, telling, I'm delivering a flat white to wifey. You know, I'm like that little male spider with the big female spider. Here, here you go, love. And uh, she just needs a couple drinks, and, oh, she's beautiful, and, and she's going. But, like, you know, that's <laughs> Being fatigued and tired, it's, it's just, uh, you know, no one's dreaming when they're tired. You know, you never go like, hey, John Luke, man, how you doing, bro? How's your day? Oh, it's amazing. Why is it amazing? I'm just so tired. Like, you, you don't hear that. Like, when you look into the eyes of a parent with a six-month-old, you do not see thriving, you see surviving, am I right? (laughs) Like, you know, a fatigue that sets in. Again, it's not like, oh, I'm dreaming, I'm hoping, I'm believing. No, it's not there. You see, when I saw that sign, here's what the Lord whispered into my spirit. He said, Andrew, I have a tired church. He said, Andrew, I have tired Christians. And he goes, will you wake them up? Will you wake them up? So my sermon title today, I know it's Australia Day, and God bless Australia. We are so thankful. Again, Americans, we're patriotic, and I'm patriotic to Australia. This is the land that God has called me to for this season of my life. But my message today is called Awakening Day. All right? More than Australia Day, it's awakening day, I believe, for the body of Christ and what God is wanting to do. (laughs) I like that. You see, when we're tired, we become vulnerable. You don't make the best decisions when you're tired. The enemy, he will search out someone that is fatigued. He doesn't go for the strong. He doesn't go for the thriving. Guys, he does not have authority over us. But when you're fatigued, there's not an authority that you're carrying. You're focused not on other people, but you're focused on yourself. 
You see, even for me, what do we try to do is we caffeinate. You know, when you're fatigued, you caffeinate, a false pretense of energy. So as a Christian, many times when you're fatigued, what do you think? You got to, oh, I just, I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do more, more, more. But what we realize, this fatigue isn't leaving us. This might be temperamental, but what happens the day that you forget to read your Bible? You feel this small again. Like, like okay, that, that's not working. So what happens? And we, we sometimes don't make the best decisions, you know? When I'm doing youth all day and it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm telling you, Mackers never sounds good, but 11 p.m. at night, I'm just like, man, that looks good right now. You know, it's that tire. You, you, you don't make the best food choices. And sometimes we go to things that don't satisfy the soul when we're fatigued. We go back to that lust or back to that addiction that we set down or, or this angry, bitter mindset full of doubt and a lack of faith. But I see it in the church. Guys, what do we do in the church when we're fatigued? Oh, we need another event. That's it. Well, no, we need to do another event. That, okay, th- we need to do that, and it, it doesn't satisfy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, we need to transition. Oh, this guy, we, we need to fire this guy. And if we fire this guy, this is going to answer our problem. Let me just tell you, it's not going to answer your problem. There's one thing. It's a church awakening to who he truly is. We need to wake up as believers. You guys tracking with me today? We need to wake up because, guys, there's an enemy that doesn't sleep. Over the last 10 days, I've seen almost 100 kids full of anxiety depression that don't want to be on this earth anymore. That was my thing. I said, if you don't want to be on this earth anymore, I want you to raise your hand. hand after hand after hand after hand. Guys, this is the most anxious generation there's ever been. What is that? It's an onslaught of our enemy, a spirit of fear, a demon spirit coming against this generation. And here's what's happening. A tired church is a powerless church. We're seeing a generation that's actually walking away from the church because they're not seeing a power-filled, spirit-filled church. They're seeing a tired, fatigued church. But let me remind myself, let me remind you that the church is the hope of the world. Guys, that this is his answer for a lost and dying generation, guys. Like we need to be renewed and awakened that this is our mission. Guys, this is our mission. This is the antidote to the the answers that are needed out there today. Guys, sometimes I kind of wish, like in in America, one of the issues was they might take away our tax exemption. Oh, we got to be careful of what we say because then they'll take away our tax exemption. I love it that we don't have tax exemption. When you give, I'm giving not for tax exemption. I'm giving because this is what God asked me to do. I'm sowing that seed. And I wish we were under a little persecution sometimes as a church. Because what does it produce? It produces hunger. It produces real. Am I really about this thing or am I just going through the motions of church? Guys, right now in China, 25,000 people a day are getting saved. Guys, we are winning. There's a victory side of what's going on. In India, 30,000 people a day are getting saved. Do you hear that? That excites me. Do you know where the fastest growing church in the world is? 
Is it Aussie? Is it America? Is, is it the UK? It's Iraq and Iran. Guys, God is appearing to people. He's appearing to people. Guys, I heard a story about a man that was burned alive three times by ISIS, but would not burn. Come on. Come on. I want that. I want to raise a generation that doesn't want to just go through the church motions, that is sold out for Jesus Christ, that there's an awakening that happens in our young people. Guys, that's what I'm going for. That's what I pray every day. That's the mission that I'm sent, and I heard his voice. You know what I'm doing? I'm aligning my belief with his voice. It's going to happen. Youth Alive Conference, here we go. (laughs) So the question is, how do we awaken? As a church, as believers, you are the church. Guys, your life matters. Your spiritual life matters here at Grace Life. We're a body. I cracked my ankle. And I'm telling you, I actually have a fractured foot. I had a boot. But all of a sudden, I had some teenagers praying for me. Teenagers at Grace Life laying hands and praying for me. And this boy's walking around pain-free right now. That was two weeks ago. (laughs) And it's this. We need the presence of God as the focal point. Guys, it's his presence. If, if this was my last day on earth and I had a, a time with my family, because I wouldn't even tell them I love you. They know that. Because I've lived that. I'm a proud dad. And that's priority one in my life. Besides loving Jesus, number two. Number two is my wife, and number three are my kids, and number four is doing this stuff that I do right up here. I love my family. It wouldn't be I love you. It would be this. The presence of God is the only thing that will sustain you. The presence of God is the only thing that will transform you. The presence of God is the only thing that you could accomplish, all that you dream, all that you desire. It's the only thing that will transform and change you. The presence of God is everything. Do you believe that? Do you live that? Guys, I believe that. I'm nothing without his presence. My bloodline don't last long. Men of my family, they live to about 50 and they die. My name is the last name to go on. I thought it was going to stop with me until I had my son, but I just prophesied there's a new legacy coming out of my family. There's a new legacy coming out of me. Why? Because I humble myself before the Lord every day. And you know what? It might not be the the hour-long Bible study because I got four kids and they're jumping on my back, but I come on my knees and I say, God, fill me with your presence today. I'm nothing without you. And he is so faithful to do it. Every single day. If you have your Bibles today, if you can open to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. And Your pastor told me to go for it today, so is this all right, pastor? <laughs> Come on, thank you, brother. Exodus 33. Let me give you a little bit of context before we get going, and 
This is the nation of Israel that were slaves in Egypt. God sent Mero to set the pe- uh, Moses to set the people free. And it was a transformational process. God was taking them from slaves to sons. All right, that, that, he was a good God, and he actually had good things in store. He'd give them manna from heaven. He'd give them quail when they complain about the manna. Like, like he, he had promises for them. He was actually going to give them a land that they didn't build. Do you hear me? Pastor, there's going to be more churches that come your way that they're going to give you that you don't have to build. They're already there. I actually heard four, four um, churches for you given. They were going to give them a land. They were going to give them possessions. God had all these things, a land flowing with milk and honey. But it was crazy. They just kept rejecting God. Like that God would give them manna from heaven and they gripe about it. And they would give them this and they would complain about it. And God would say, do this. Even in Exodus chapter 20, God was speaking. He was speaking the Ten Commandments to all the people. He never wanted it on a tablet. He wanted to write it on their heart. But do you know what the people said? God, will you speak to Moses and let Moses speak to us? We don't want to hear your voice. They were afraid of the voice of God. God didn't want to do that. He didn't want a filtration process. He wanted direct access, but they said no. So when they were writing the Ten Commandments, all of a sudden the people of Israel made a golden calf and started worshiping this calf. Like, I mean, how moronic is that? And so God is speaking to Moses at this time, and he says, Moses, I'm going to send an angel before you. And I'm going to drive out the Canaanites, and I'm going to drive out the Amorites. I'm going to give you this possession. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this land flowing with milk and honey, but I'm not going. If I'm not wanted, I will give you all the promises, but I'm not going with you. So here's where we're going to pick up. And Moses is in the tent of meeting, and he's outside of the camp. And why was the tent of meeting outside of the camp instead of inside of the camp? Because I don't think they wanted God inside the camp. They were okay with seeing a figure of him on the outside, and God would descend down on a cloud. Why would he descend down on a cloud? Because I believe God wanted to be seen. He wanted to be wanted. He wanted to be at front and center. He wanted to be on the inside of the camp, but they did not want him. So we see in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, and the Lord, he's in the tent of meeting, and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Face to face. When I was a young believer, I thought that position and that posture were reserved for Moses. But as I've grown in my faith, I've realized that's an open invitation for every single believer. 
every single believer. Guys, and when God started, he would start with the patriarch. He would speak to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Then it transitioned to the prophet and to the priest. But there was a moment and there was a shift. There was a, a ripping of the heavens. And as John chapter 4, when, when G, not John chapter 4, um, but when Jesus or God spoke to Jesus was he was getting baptized. You are my son whom is well pleased. That, guys, that moment God ripped open the heavens. It's kind of like my kids when they rip open a cereal box. You ain't putting that thing together. Like once they rip that thing open, it's a mess. I hate it when they rip those things open. But God ripped open the heavens so far you couldn't seal it back up. And that created open access. Our Father who out in heaven. Guys, here's the thing. What I want to tell you, we need a generation of parents. We need a generation of leaders that have face-to-face encounters with God. Guys, our younger generation need it. Guys, when faith is real at home, when there's face-to-face encounters, kids will not leave the house. I want some of you to hear that. I want some of you to know that. And when there's face-to-face encounters, like your pastor, face-to-face encounters, I see a younger generation rising up saying, God, I'm not leaving this tent. I'm not leaving this place until I have a face-to-face encounter too. Will there be a Joshua generation rise up? Prayer warriors, pray for that Joshua generation to rise up. You see, my younger generation, lights and flash, that's okay, but it's not a big deal. We want the presence of God and God moving in power. Come on, face-to-face encounters. He's calling you to that place. And in verse 12, we see this moment where Moses begins to intercede. I love prayer warriors. If you're like, who can I pray for? Please pray for me. I value and cherish every prayer. But he begins to intercede for the nation of Israel. But he says this prayer, and guys, this is my prayer in this season of my life right now. It's actually found in verse 13. And it says, if you are pleased with me, Teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Do you know the best prayer you can pray? Lord, show me your ways that I may find favor in your sight. Guys, when I was a new believer, here's how I view the word of God. I got to do this to be a good Christian. In a way, what I was saying, I got to do this so God will be pleased with me. I got to do this so God would love me. And like what I mentioned, you, you miss a day, you miss a week, and all of a sudden you're, you're pathetic and you're, you're not a good Christian. You know, just the journey that you, you battle through. We always face those sayings, oh, you got to pray, and I'm not, I don't know how to pray, and my prayers aren't good, and you just go through this journey. But what I've realized, I'm a son. You're a son. You're, you don't have to wake up to prove something to get the love of God. Guys, I wake up filled with the Father's love, ready to go. But what I've learned, guys, in this word, guys, in this word are his ways. and his ways, there is favor. He designed a thing called prayer that he wants to use your voice to move heaven and earth. Guys, it's not something I have to do, but it's something I'm invited into. It's something I get to do. The word of God is not something I have to do, young people. Guys, this is my greatest treasure. I wasn't raised in church. I opened the Bible for the first time at 19 years old. And guys, you know what my dream and my vision is? The greatest gift I'm going to give my kid is besides the life that I live is this Bible. Guys, I'm going to go through and give each one of my kids Bible that I've spent so much time with and I've marked up and I've prayed through and I'm going to give this when I'm long gone. What will they remember dad by? This is the stone that I'm leaving them because these words have life. 
<laughs> There's favor connected to his ways. If you don't do his ways, is God going to, no, he loves you. But let me just tell you, when you get a hold of this stuff and you start living your life, guys, there's a supernatural favor that comes in. I want to put a desire in your heart. Not that you have to do these things, but again, it's an invitation. I want to, in a loving way, you're crazy if you don't. <laughs> in a loving way, these words are life. His voice is life. I heard a pastor say, I've learned to love the correction of God as much as I love the blessings of God. Wow. Do you know that God? What does that mean? When he speaks, there's life. Even when he speaks and says, Andrew, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You need to go apologize for that. Guys, I go with joy to apologize because I heard my father. I know he has blessing on my life. Guys, some of you have been praying really selfish prayers, and I want to tell you, stop. <laughs> Pray his heart. Pray what he's asking you to do. And listen, here's what I've learned. When I figured this out and I quit playing, praying for just myself, God takes care of myself. I don't even have to worry about me anymore. He takes care of my finances. He takes care of the relationships. He opens doors that I couldn't open. When he says, oh, this man will partner with me and he'll partner with my heart, he says, I will cover you. I got your back. Come on now. <laughs> You guys tracking with me today? All right. So he's interceding. And he goes on. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go, do not send us from here. I love this moment right here that takes place. One man intercede for an entire nation. God said, I'll go. What would happen if Grace Life began to intercede for this region? What would happen if Grace Life began to intercede for the prodigal sons? What happened if that Monday night prayer meeting was full of people with hungry hearts believing that God wanted to partner with them, that he's waiting to release something? Young people, you better be there on Monday nights, all right? I'll be calling you out. Come on, that's where the action's at. What would happen? Not just one, but 50, 70, 80 people truly started interceding what could happen wow what if we came alive on the inside of prayer i was in a youth service and a young man came to me in tears really emotional and uh it was after youth he was a young adult and i just asked him that one question the lethal question hey man how you doing and he just started crying you know <laughs> and uh so I was like, all right, let's, let's talk. And he goes, tomorrow my dad's going to ask me a question about my future. And I know one thing he's going to ask me, am I saved? He said, Andrew, I don't know if I'm saved. And in that moment, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Andrew, this isn't a salvation issue. This is a presence issue. He has gone before my presence. And I told him that. And we began to pray and the presence of God hit that young man. Never questioning his salvation again. Some of you questioning your salvation. I think the very reason you're questioning is enough to say, don't worry about it. You got this thing with him. It's a presence issue. Guys, when I share that over him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
in America, we are seeing a burned out, stressed out church. Has the promises, has the possession, has purpose, but they've left the presence behind. That's not all. There's some really good churches in America. That's just what the Lord whispered into my heart. Guys, I was one of those pastors that began to burn out. Because I was in the mode of seven services and going and doing the events, doing all this stuff. But all of a sudden, I'm all over here and I'm literally like, where did the presence of God go in my life? Guys, you know what my number one is? His presence. I just see grace life. Father, thank you for the present. Thank you for the purpose. Thank you for the promises. But it's your presence that we long for. It's your presence. And now listen, when you get the present, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the other things will be taken care of. Come on, do you value the presence of God above anything else? That's the mandate of grace life. That's who you are. That's your new growth strategy, the presence of God. <laughs> it's what transforms you. It's his presence. He goes on in verse 18. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all of the people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and know you by name. You will be distinguished amongst everyone else. Even for you young people. Can I just give you the good news and maybe the bad news to you? Your life will look different. It's distinguished. It's separate. And there might be a season where you feel like you may be missing out. It's distinguished. It's separate. But so many young people are doing all the stuff that they want to do in their own little heart, and they're going to spend the next 15 years paying for it and trying to recover from that short season of their life. But I see a distinguished younger generation that's saying, God, I'll give you my life. I'll give you my dreams. I see architects. I see doctors. But giving their life to the body of Christ because you're distinguished. Mom and dad at work, you're distinguished. We're made to look different. We're made to be different. And it goes on to that last moment. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Guys, we need to pray bolder prayers. We need to pray bigger prayers. Show me your glory, God. Show me more of you, God. Because, guys, it's in the seeing that there's the revealing. It's in the seeing that there's a transformational process that begins to take place in your life. Guys, we need to pray bigger prayers. He says, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. He goes on to say, I'll have mercy on who I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. He goes on to say, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face and live. Two things in this, and I'm almost done, is this. One, is God, out of his glory, he's not going to say, I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you 
all of the galaxies and the stars that I uphold in my right hand. I'm not going to show you my, my, all the things that I have, but his greatest glory, the things nearest to his heart, like me, is the word of God and different things. For him, it's his goodness. He's a good God and has good things in store for you. But he goes on to say, no one will see my face and live. And I think that's why I always thought you can't have a face-to-face encounter with God because if you see his face, you're just going to die. <laughs> that, was, that was my thought. But as I begin to, to read into this, what I realized, this portion right here, because it was contradicting. How does that work out? He's saying, Moses was saying, God, I want to see the fullness of who you are. And God says, son, nobody's going to see the fullness of who I am because I'm that big. Guys, we have a God that that's magnificent, that that big deserves all the worship, all the glory, and all the honor because he is that amazing. But you, when you see me, you will not live. What I learned, that word means this, to renew, to resurrect, to bring life, to re build. Guys, when you have the goodness of God pass over you, what does it do? It brings life. Your life will never be the same. It will look different. I see it pass over young people. Their lives transform. There's a new life on the inside. Because I don't see that just in life. I see that over areas. I see that over dreams. Dreams that are dead. Guys, it just takes the goodness of God to pass over and he resurrects. He brings to life. I see it pass over prodigal sons. And I'm telling you, it's just one prayer that's released and the goodness of God pass over and they're drawn back home. It's the goodness of God. Guys, it's in his heart. It's in his nature. He's looking for people to partner with to release it. I have two stories, and I'm going to close and love to invite the worship team forward. I was in a prayer meeting. It was kind of, actually, it was a night of worship, and there was a guy in the back of the room that was just talking to me, and that just started, and the worship was going, but we were still talking, and, uh, this young lady was new the first time she came to a worship night, and we were talking loud enough that it disturbed her. And so she came back and said, hey, can you guys please be quiet? So right away, absolutely, we were quiet. And I went to go on to worship, and um, as I was worshiping, the Lord said, Andrew, I want you to go say sorry. And I was like, but God, I, I stopped when you said, and there's no, there's no issues there. And he goes, no, I want you to go say sorry. So I went over to this young girl and said, hey, I want you to know I really am sorry for talking and disrupting. That was in my heart. And she's like, oh, no, no, no problem at all. So I go back over, and I'm worshiping. About 15 minutes later, the Lord says, Andrew, I want you to go back over to her. He said, the reason I wanted you to say I'm sorry is there was something that happened to her as a young girl, and no one said I'm sorry. And I want her to know that I see that situation. I want her to hear me say, I'm sorry. So I walked back over to that girl, and I began to speak. And I I told her, I said, there's something to happen to you. You've moved forward, but you haven't moved on. The reason God wanted me to say I'm sorry was this. He's sorry for what happened to you. So this new person gets up, lets out a loud cry, and runs out of the room. I'm like, oops. (laughs) Wasn't thinking it was going to happen like that. She was leaving. But outside of the church was my pastor in the foyer. And he caught her. They sat down. She began to share her journey and share her story. Guys, God cares enough about your past. He doesn't just want to use you. 
He wants you whole. He wants you well. He cares what's happened to you. And what it was that moment, it was the goodness of God that came over her and touched her and brought healing to her life. Guys, I was in a season where I was that burned out pastor, kind of tired of church. I felt like I could spell it out and just, my God, there's got to be more than this. And it was just a journey that he was taking me through. But it was a hard season. We felt like we were under a wave of attack from the enemy, and I had three surgeries in less than a year. Like, we, we just had just, just a hard pregnancy, a hard birth. They're all hard. I love you women. It's amazing what you guys do. <laughs> this was a hard, challenging season. So one night, we had fever kind of running through the home, and my son had a fever. My wife just was a little stirred and had him sleep in our, in our bed, and all of a sudden, I hear her scream. She said, Andrew, he's not breathing. We don't know how long my son was just stiff, but he was stiff. He wasn't breathing. So we turn on the lights, and all of a sudden we see his eyes roll to the back of his head. He's foaming at the mouth, and he's barely grasping for breath. Time's not even breathing. So we call the paramedic. Guys, they live about 30 minutes away from where we're at. My wife was praying. She was screaming, yelling at me to do something. I had nothing to offer. As in that moment, I had no faith. I never felt so distant from God, so disconnected from myself. I didn't know what to do. I know, do I go get a neighbor? I called the ambulance. Guys, I didn't pray one time in that 30 minutes. I was just numb, and I was afraid, and I thought my boy was dying. My only son. The paramedic pulled up, still not breathing, still eyes rolled the back of it, still foam. Guys, and in the paramedics was a man from my church. And guys, this man walks into the room, doesn't say one word, but the only way I could describe, he brought the presence of God with him. Guys, and in that moment, I felt the presence of God and faith begin to awaken in my spirit. And I began to pray, and all of a sudden my son started breathing he started coming back to us. His eyes started looking clear. Guys, he brought the presence of God with him. Can I tell you, that's what your life should look like. But some of you are in this place where you might be like me. The faith, it just, you just don't have it right. But I want you to know, I come carrying something today. It's not an eloquent speech. It's not just loud because I do you stuff. I come carrying the presence of God today to your situation. And I believe the goodness of God wants to pass over you today to bring resurrection life. That that is my boy and I'm telling this boy that I'm raising, that I'm fathering, that I'm discipling will be ten times more of a man than I am. The, literally the men that my daughters marry are going to be better than me. I know it. I, I pray it. I believe it. And I'm telling you, is that moment that man didn't even pray, just carried something. We need the presence of God. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.